1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. How old were you when you got married? I thought I would get – I had this sense that I was going to get married probably right out of college. My dad, you know, he was like, don't get married till you're out of college. Okay, but my dad got married the day after he graduated from college. Graduated one day, got married the next day. That's what he did. And uh, later I became a young adult pastor. When I started in ministry, I was a young adult pastor, and I love young adult ministry. I've done that ever since. It's changed over the last uh, 30 some odd years that I've been a part of that. And uh, I got married at 29. And if you would have asked me when I was 15, uh, what age would I be? I would have said 22, 21, probably, you know, you never know. But something that's interesting is that it used to be that almost everybody got married. But today, according to a recent survey, two out of five uh, millennials and Gen Z say that uh, marriage is not for them, that it, in fact, it's Gen Zers, yeah, millennials and Gen Zers say it's an outdated tradition, that the mindset has changed completely, and uh, that it's, it's not quite the same as it used to be. How do you feel about it. Has it changed? Uh, Has it changed for you? And uh, we have a guest here in just a minute. We are uh, connecting. How are we doing with that, uh, Wilbert? Okay. You know, here's a question for you. What would you say are the most, it's funny because in the survey, there's something that I didn't expect in there. It said marriage adverse cities. What's the most marriage adverse city? Like if you live in that city, you're you're not going to do well on the whole marriage thing. What is the the city where you're least likely to get married if you are younger and single? Uh, You know what, uh number 1 was Seattle, Washington. Uh actually no, that's uh that's number 2 was Seattle, Washington. Toledo, Ohio was number 1. That surprised me. Seattle doesn't surprise me at all. That, uh, that might be number one. But, uh, number, it was actually number two, Toledo, Ohio. And then next, Spokane, Washington. And then Portland, Oregon. Those don't surprise me. I, you know, I think if you have a, a certain mindset that marriage isn't, uh, what marriage is supposed to be. And that's something that has changed, you know, in the, in the marriage discussion that as a nation, you know, we had when it was about gay marriage and stuff, it turned into love is love and it turned into those kinds of things. But marriage is a lot more than that. Marriage is, in fact, really about building a nation, and it's about kids and child rearing. And there's so many things that are uh, necessary to why marriage has been a thing through every culture in human history is it builds that culture. And I don't think it's too much to say that the breakdown of of marriage and what we believe it to be and the way we see it in our culture is contributing to the breakdown of our own culture, to the difficulties that we're having on so many different levels in our culture is that we're, we're misunderstanding the purpose of why God has ordained marriage. There's a certain purpose of it that it represents Christ in the church. You know, in the Old Testament, it was God in Israel, New Testament, Christ in the church, and that it represents that it represents it 's meant to be something that represents the relationship that we have with God, and I think that has dropped out of the conversation it 's become more Lisa. about romance it 's become something that many people are now hey, feeling hey. is old fashioned it 's become something that many people feel is not the same. How do you feel about it eight 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 five two eight two five five seven you know I think that it's tremendously important to do right. To realize that it's not just about the wedding or the fairy tale or all those things. My wife, Christy, she doesn't like it when I tell the story, but I'm going to risk that maybe she's not listening at this moment. I'm going to tell it. Uh, I've told couples before. Whenever I do the counseling, you know, and sometimes I've said this in in the wedding, but not usually in the wedding. But uh, you know, the day you get married, there's something interesting that happens when you stand up there at the altar. This isn't true for everybody, but it's true for most of us. That is the best you're going to look in your whole life, that moment, for those pictures, for that moment, you're standing there, and that it's all downhill on the way back. And, uh, <laughs> not, you know, you probably understand why Christy doesn't like that story too much. But, you know, for most women, when you get married, there's a lot going into your hair that day and the makeup, and you might get up at five in the morning, and you're starting with everything, and you look amazing that day. Uh, guys treat it a little differently. You know, we didn't go buy a tux, uh, although that's becoming more uh, standard, like buying a suit, which I think is a great idea. But most of us, we rented something, right? And the best man has to go bring it back a few minutes later. But we look great in that suit. We comb our hair, which we don't always do. My, Christy made me go get a haircut, not from one of those usual uh, barber shops that you go in and pay $6 for, whatever it used to be. But uh, she made me go to somebody and pay some real money for my marriage haircut. And I did. And, you know, what was funny to me is I had never been to any sort of stylist with my hair until that time. And people commented on my hair all the time. I couldn't believe it because to me, it didn't even look any different, to be honest with you. I didn't think I had uh, saved enough, uh, done enough with it Uh, or that I thought I wasted my money. But uh, people said, oh, your hair looks great and uh, everything about it looks uh, amazing. So you get married and you look fantastic that day. The point really that I make with all this is not to put you down that you don't look as good. Some of you look fabulous today. Trust me, you do. But if you're the reason you're getting married is because of the way somebody looks, you're physically attracted to them, for example. Well, you know, you are going to age and things are going to happen. It's just part of it. And if that's the reason, marriage breaks down right? If the reason is somebody's money, you might go broke one day. If the reason is the potential of a job or a certain career, you know, there's there's no promises of those things that are kind of in the romance of all of it. And I think that some of that gets in the way from realizing what an important uh, tradition and important uh, thing marriage is. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. 528 2557 Let me go to the the phone's here while we wait for our guest, Oscar, from Baldwin Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
2: Hello, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Oscar. Uh, hi, Serge. Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, marriage, I'm I'm, in the, I'm 40 years old, 41 years old. So I, I believe I'm a millennial. I'm not even sure. Uh, but anyways, I, um, I believe marriage is very important. I'm in a relationship that where I'm not married. We have two kids. I'm, we live together, and I believe we're going through a strife right now, I believe. I believe we were married. I believe it would be a little different. I believe just have you just get that blessing from God right off the bat. Uh, but I bel- one of my beliefs is why I think marriage I- isn't what it was. I think kids, my generation, we grew up a little fast. Uh, you know, we uh, you know just maybe lost to put it simple, term, we lost our innocence. I think at a young age, mm-hmm. uh, we saw a lot of our parents maybe had not the best marriages, uh, family members. You know, you know, we just came from especially you know i just think we just got a lot of bad uh bad visions of marriage of what it could be um and nobody you know nowadays i don't think a lot of guys are mature yeah a lot of, guys don't, a, lot of a lot of men don't want to take the stand to to marry I, i'll put myself in that category i i should have married the mother of my kids you know i when she was got pregnant and stuff i should have took that next step you know she she kind of throws that at my face now um but now are you, know, you
0: overall why aren't you married now is the is the woman you're living with the mother of your kids, or is the mother of your kids another person?
2: No, 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 no. She's the mother of my kids. She's okay. the mother. We, we you know, uh, honestly, honestly, uh, one of the reasons financial. Um, yeah, I, I know. If I was to marry, I'm completely responsible. You know, so uh, we're kind of you know the system helps us a little bit. You know, but I, like I said again, you that's, know, a, that's a weak. Mindset. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah.
0: Is there if you were to ask her to marry you, would she say yes?
2: Yeah, she's one. She used to walk around and tell. Now that, like I said, we're having some issues right now. But she used to go around telling me I was her husband. You and know, he, and uh,
0: so she tells people and, that you're her husband anyway. Uh, yeah. Do you? And how old are your kids?
2: They're eight and six.
0: And you're your kids' dad.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, Oscar, I think you should get married. I think yeah. I think you should marry her. I think you should yeah. deal with whatever troubles you've got. Take those to the Lord. Go get counseling. It's okay to get counseling and uh, work those things out. But you've got two kids who need their dad and they need their mom. And you don't want your kids saying that he's my, you know, my parents aren't married and things like that. I know it's more common today, but can I urge yeah. you to uh, to get some counsel on that? And uh, if she wants to marry you, marry her. Yeah. It's hard yeah. work. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, if you're worried about the finances— you know, the studies say that married people do much better than people who aren't married financially. Yeah. And you yeah. you got to commit and uh, deal with the stuff. Oscar, I appreciate – I think what you've said is is actually where a lot of people come from, right? A lot of people are coming from a similar place uh, mm-hmm. as you with a mindset about marriage, and that's what we're going to talk about here. I appreciate your call. Uh, With us to talk about this is Lisa Anderson, and she is with Focus on the Family, and she is the director of Young Adults and the host of The Boundless Show at Focus on the Family. Lisa, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
3: All right. Great to be here, Pastor Scott.
0: All right. Thank you. Uh, Thank you uh, for—we had some connection issues there, but uh, that's part of uh, our discussion is that people have connection issues today, don't they?
3: (laughs) Very true, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I talk every day to younger adults, so 20s and 30s, And, uh, you know, I'm finding that even though they're aspirational towards marriage, they're kind of uh, in a place where they're like either it's not attainable for them or they're just kind of overall meh about it and really what's the point. And so we're trying to cast a different vision for them at this
0: point. I just had a call. I don't know if you heard the caller, but... He, uh, he's a millennial, and he said uh, he's living with uh, the mother of his kids. The kids are eight and six, but they're not married. It was kind of for financial reasons. He felt like that would be more, you know, I told him he needs to get married, but he, he went and discussed how marriage is something that uh, wasn't presented very well for his generation, and that's kind of leading to where they're at. Is that what you're finding in your ministry to young adults?
3: Yeah, I think it's so true, and I think it's because, you know, if we think of the millennials who are out there, they are the product of the largest divorce generation in history, the boomers, and so they haven't been cast good examples. They Most of them grew up in homes that weren't, you know, intact families. Maybe they had an absent dad entirely, and so they're kind of like, yeah, I haven't seen marriage modeled well, so why would I want to really go after it when instead I can cohabit or I can kind of test out marriage, I can play the field, I can kind of do what I need to do. And, you know, what's weird about it is millennials, and even now Gen Zers, they actually have a pretty decent view of marriage as a whole. They just think it can't be done successfully. And so they're going to play at marriage, they're going to live together, they're going to just say, you know, maybe I don't need to commit in order to get that lifelong love in the way that I need it, you know, we're both maybe working, and so I think for them it's kind of like, you're going to have to prove to me that this is something bigger than just a financial decision, or something that's going to be, quote, for the kids.
0: Is, um, you know, it's interesting that you say that there's a positive view of marriage, but a sense that I can't do it, or it's not going to work for me, and you know, as a pastor for so long, I certainly heard that a lot in the last few years from couples who We're struggling with that. Or they even said, we're just not going to have kids because I don't want to deal with the pain of the the potential pain of divorce or sad things happening to kids, you know, and then they'll often decide. In fact, I would say more often than not, people are already living together. What are some of the misconceptions around cohabitation that people have today?
3: Yeah. And this is where it's like, you know, you can, you can, Pastor Scott, take faith out of this entirely. Mm -hmm. You look at some of the socioeconomic things that are going on with cohabitation. Most people will cohabit because they think, okay, well, I need to get a a test run going here. I need to figure out, you know, am I compatible with this person? Is this something that can go the long haul? What are they going to, you know, how are they going to show up in real life? And so, but the fact is, we are finding that on all levels, when it comes to couples living together, things go downhill pretty fast. So, for example, cohabiting couples, uh, one partner—usually the male—not to diss all the guys out there, but this is—I'm just <laughs> sharing the stats, y'all. I'm with you. Um, will not contribute to housework in the way that he claims he will. Uh, rates of domestic violence are much higher in cohabiting couples. Uh, you will see definite um, differences in whether or not kids come into the picture. That's going to happen. There's going to be a lot more ambiguity around that in cohabiting couples. And and uh and I will even say that those couples that cohabit, once they do get to marriage, if in fact they do, the divorce rates are much higher among cohabiting couples. And so, but I think one of the most problematic things, and this is something that's not talked about a lot, we talk about it all the time at Boundless, is the fact that, cohabiting keeps you in lame go nowhere relationships much longer than you normally would be in them. So, you know, this is where I talk to the ladies specifically, they will hang on to a guy because they think, well, I've invested in this relationship. We've now put two years in or three years in maybe we have a dog that mm-hmm. we share we certainly share rent or maybe a mortgage or whatever. And, you know, maybe they share a kid at this point. And so she's kind of like, it's just too much effort for me to get out of this. And so she might stay in something abusive. She might, might stay in something that's not healthy, something that's toxic, just because she doesn't have the energy to get out. And that's where I really see a lot of relationships languishing and even becoming something that could be dangerous.
0: You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Lisa Anderson, director of Young Adults and the host of The Boundless Show on Focus on the Family. You know, you're, you're right on. That is being experienced by a lot of people, and these decisions that people are making by not getting married actually hinder them uh, towards having a family or getting married or being in a healthy spot. We used to date. but like Culturally, <laughs> dating was something we did well yeah. to figure this out. What happened? Yeah, I think,
3: you know, we've, we've kind of lost this idea of dating. And I say, you know, because I talk to so many Christian couples, wouldn't it be awesome if I could just direct everyone to first and second dating in the Bible and we would all figure out like what this looks like and how, it, how it can be done well. But the fact is we have to go for principles instead. So we have settled in our culture because dating has not become the norm. I mean, if we talk to our, our parents' generation or our grandparents, it was like nothing to just ask. Ask a girl out to the movies or you walk down to the corner store for mm. a malt or something like that. It seems so utopian, so idyllic. But it was a way that people used to get to know each other. And I remember talking to my grandpa and he's like, I would ask two or three girls out in a weekend. And I mean, now he'd be considered a player. Right. And so but it was just kind of you you there was a less. um there was less barrier of risk to just say, we're just getting to know one another. But now there's so much attached to it, especially even in the church where mm-hmm. it's like, you can't even ask someone to coffee unless you're pretty sure that you could marry them. And you've certainly run them through at least six personality profiles and done a background <laughs> check and, and all of this. And so instead of, uh, you know, there's just this pressure there, instead of just being able to say, this is an exploratory process. And so what we have is the alternative from the culture is just straight on hookups. And so, you know, Mm. Christian couples don't want to do that. Uh, They don't want to be just that weekend kind of one night stand, which is weirdly uh, something that so many people are going for, because they would rather hook up and have that level of intimacy then actually have a real conversation and risk being in someone's life and being known. And so that's where it becomes really problematic in our culture today. And so we've got to turn the tide on this to make it a different script where young adults feel confident and feel like people are coming alongside them to support them in the pursuit of marriage, because ultimately it will get the ball down the field in a way that will be a lifelong lasting relationship.
0: Yeah. As you're telling those, I'm just having a lot of flashbacks to even my own time, right? It it's changed since yeah. then, but I used to date girls who went to other churches on purpose so that people just didn't know. You were one of those guys. I was that okay, guy. We,
3: we, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's problematic. <laughs> so, but I mean, again, it's like, and in, in there, there's a stigma there too, because it's like no guy wants to walk into a church setting and be, again, that guy that is perceived as just on all the women mm-hmm. and you're just there because it's a meat market and shouldn't you care about God? And, and so I think guys are just kind of hands off. The other thing our culture has done is guys have sat back and they are very passive in relationships. They yeah. have kind of decided like, well, you know what? I don't have to do a lot of hard work because now there are all these super confident, uh, successful women who are stepping up to the plate And quite frankly, they're asking me out and they're paying for dates and they're letting me just kind of be this guy that takes it all in. But women don't want that either. And so we've got to figure out a better script to make this uh, done in a more healthy way.
0: What are some healthy ways for people listening to date today? What are some just good principles for that?
3: Yeah, I think the first thing straight up is you've got to figure out even before dating, what are your non-negotiables? So, like, I remember, you know, as a junior hire, very bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, having a an earnest youth pastor tell all of us in our church, okay, write down the list of the hundred qualities you want in your future husband. Right. Okay, well, I was an overachiever, so I wrote my hundred qualities, and the first few were very legitimate, but after that, it became, like, hair color, and does he play guitar, and no. all of that. So, that was that was a problem, but then then we were supposed to like pray over it. Okay, it didn't work for me. I'm still single, uh, Pastor Scott. Right. So here's the deal: I say narrow it down to the four non-negotiables that get down to values direction. I mean, is this person someone that you can build a life with based on their character, uh, what they believe about scripture, that kind of stuff? That has to matter first and foremost. And so you build those values and you date only those people. You don't waste your time with all these other folks. Yes. Then you have to decide if you're going to ask a girl out, you're going to actually ask her out and you're going to call it a date. So this isn't just this passive like, well, maybe we can hang out sometime. Or maybe we like women are like, what does that mean? What are we, is this a business luncheon? Is this a friendship? Is this a, you know, so, so be direct. And then guys, I always say, and you know, we don't have to do it this way anymore. You know, women can pay, it's all fine. I'm not going to get weird and, and prescriptive about that, but you will, if you were the guy and you ask her out and when that bill comes, when that check comes, you grab it and you own it. You will set yourself apart from about 85% of the guys out there by being just the guy that says, I've got this. Mm. I am going to honor you. I am going to be the person in this situation that's going to step up, that's going to be protective, take ownership of that. That will just allow you to win in that space. You put that in tandem With being the guy who's going to ask good questions and care about her, not just talk about yourself, you're going to be like, I asked you out for a reason because I think you're interesting and I would like to get to know you better. And I think those kind of things are just mature tactics that have to happen.
0: Lisa, I'm bumping up against a break. Are you able to stay through the next break or do you need to go?
3: (laughs) Sure thing. I can hang around.
0: All right. We're going to talk more about this because I think it matters. I've been seeing this on the uh, social media, young people trying to have this discussion. I think it matters for a lot of people. This is the, uh, my guest, is Lisa Anderson. She's the director of Young Adults and the host of The Boundless Show at Focus on the Family. We'll be back with her and this subject as the Tuesday edition of The Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at com, or tune in live weekdays
0: from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Lisa Anderson, director of Young Adults and host of The Boundless Show at Focus on the Family. And we've been talking about dating today and particularly attitudes about it from younger people. There's a survey that has said that Uh, Many millennials and Gen Zers consider marriage as an outdated tradition. However, lots of people want to get married, of course, and we we think people should. And we were talking about, right before the break, how to date in a healthy way, and even men taking the initiative. I want to pick up at that point there, Lisa, and you were talking about how men should pay for the date, which I totally agree (laughs) with, and uh, I used to know, I don't want to say his name, but... uh, a similar name is Dutch Dave, the ladies used to call him, because he would take you out <laughs> to a nice place and then make you pay your half. And uh, he so he got a reputation for that. Dutch Dave, super nice guy. But he felt like it was not what women wanted was for him to pay the bill. He thought that's what uh, women expected. I think a lot of young men today think that taking initiative is not wanted. Are they wrong?
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think so at all, because I think, again, if you're because what it does is it shows honor and it shows respect. And it says, you know, not only have I decided that I want to single you out and get to know you better and kind of separate you from the pack and say, you know, hey, you're someone that interests me. This is, you know, kind of I would love to get to know you, you know, better. Um, But then it just says, like, and I, I value your time and I want to kind of be that guy that's like, You know, taking ownership of this and being that person that just is a stand up guy. I I even tell guys uh, when I speak uh, fairly often because I, this was so mind boggling to me and so crazy back in the day that I actually had to write a book about it. Um, Scott, I had to, (laughs) I wrote the dating manifesto because I got, when I was dating and dating poorly, quite frankly, I just got crickets from the church. And from couples who were married, who I thought should know like what in the world they could tell me. And so I figured, okay, we got to figure out how to do this better. So I even tell guys, man, you know what? Say you're out with a group of friends or something, um, or say if you're, you know, you're coming back from an event, maybe at your church, and you all stop for ice cream or stop for coffee or something, and you have a girl that you're interested in, and she has some of her friends with her too. You be the guy who's like, you know what? I've got, I've got this. I've got all your coffees. I've got your ice cream. Okay. Now you're just like practically celebrity status. Right. This is like <laughs> never heard of before. Again, it is just that, that guy who's going to step in and be like, Hey, I want to be, uh, even as a brother in Christ, I want to be that protective person. That's kind of like, ladies, I want to take care of this and I want to honor you all and, and, and just be in, in that space. So I think it's a wise move.
0: You know, Today, a lot of young people, they date, they connect with people on apps. Is there any wise move with that or uh, should those just be tossed?
3: Yeah, I have so many people that say this because they're fearful that like, oh, my goodness, is that like way taking matters into your own hands or that's not organic? Is that even trusting God? And I say, look, here's what online dating and dating apps are. They are only tools. So I don't have a problem with them. What I think we have to keep in mind with using any kind of app, or quite frankly, even dating in real life at this point, is you cannot do it in isolation. So that's another principle that I often give young daters is this idea of you've got to build a dating team. And here's how it plays out. Like, say, if you're going to go on an app, you're going to find someone because the fact is We are so transient right now. You think of the average young adult, they have most likely, you know, moved out of their uh, city of origin because they went for school or now they've moved for a job. So they don't have that community that, you know, is built in for them. And so they're going to have to find that. Um, and so, you know, you might need to meet someone online and that's fine. But what you had better do is get your team around you who, first of all, is going to be sifting through potential people with you. I mean, they're going to keep, they're going to keep their eyes open for you because who better to help you find a great person to date than the people who know you and love you best and so this is what you know the the jewish communities know this is what you know there are a lot very few people uh, still that that do this well and so you need to pick those people and these are people who have common sense and they know you and they you know love god and they know what your values are and they're going to be in your space and they're going to come alongside you and say okay we're going to we're going to help you assess we're going to look for red flags We're going to be that voice of reason when you lose your mind because you're so into this person that you can't even think straight. And so, um, in fact, I even say, I mean, you know, listener, you better hold on to your seat right now because here's something I often say that people get offended by, and it is um, you pick three people on your team. Now, you can have a bigger team than that, but there are three people that you know who are going to tell the truth to you. They're going to be, they have sense, they have wisdom. And you tell them that if you are dating someone that is a loser and they all agree this person is a loser, you will break it off, no questions asked.
0: That, that, is, yeah, they,
3: <laughs> that is putting power into someone's hands that needs to be there because when you have just completely gone crazy because you have written off all of the red flags and you're not thinking straight, you need people who are going to tell you what's what.
0: The Bible is very clear that uh, wise counsel around you, emphasis on wise, is necessary, even in this part of life. So how do you date today without putting pressure on it for marriage? I think especially for Christians, this becomes a thing. We went to one coffee, and uh, now I'm getting married. How do we How do we not do that? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, the first thing we don't do is you don't go out on one date and start writing your name with the guy's uh, <laughs> name that you went out with or right. picking out China. Okay, so, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. I think what you have to do is you have to establish, and this sounds so like, you know, people are like, Lisa, this sounds so prescriptive, or it it takes the romance out of it. But I'm like, okay, keep the romance in, whatever, but be sensible. So I always recommend you have to think of a timeline of dating, because you have to have checkpoints along the way, just as you would like in your job. You know, you work somewhere for a certain amount of time, and you're like, hey, Should I be up for a promotion or should I talk to my boss or what are some additional responsibilities I can take on? Same thing in a relationship like this. You have to decide. Maybe it's at the one or two month mark and just say, hey, are we both still on the same page here? Are we actually calling this dating at this point? Are we exclusive? These are all questions you have to ask and make sure that one person isn't ahead of the other. Are you both still in this relationship? Do you both still want to continue? Do you have any questions that need to be cleared up anything that has to be discussed that hasn't been discussed yet? And certainly, as the relationship progresses, as it becomes more serious, you got to get into some more serious conversations and decide, are we going to go into some pre-engagement counseling? Are we then going to do premarital when we decide that this might actually move towards marriage and or we might get engaged? And so you have to, and again, this is why that team is so important. Have that team with you along the way to help you determine when those times should be, what that should look like, should this be put on pause? Are we okay? Is everyone seeing green lights here that we can move ahead? And so I think just having that, uh, that rhythm and that timeline in place to really ask the right questions is a very wise move to make.
0: Lisa, one, one other question that I want to talk about uh, your show with Focus on the Family, The Boundless Show. Um, I think that a lot of people and especially people in dating, they get into trouble because they've crossed the lines physically, sometimes Mm -hmm. sexually, but sometimes it's even just kissing or, you know, things that communicate commitment that isn't really there. How do we draw that line?
3: Yeah, so the principle that I always give for folks when, when we think of this, and there are some illustrations that go along with it, the one thing I always say is that the level of connection should never exceed the level of commitment. So there are some things, there are levels of connection that are only appropriate for marriage. There are some that might only be appropriate for after engagement. And when you have both declared that you're committed to this, you're going to move this across, uh, across the goal line. And so you shouldn't be playing at marriage or acting married when in fact you are not married. Mm -hmm. And so obviously for some, you know, this is going to include, you know, sex, this is going to include stuff, but even if you pull it back before that, think of some other things like you're going out to brunch with his mom and you've only gone on like four dates with him. Well, like, what does that say? Just weirdness, emotional intimacy, sharing things way uh, at a level that is way too far along for where you guys should be. You know, I always say uh, to, to Christian daters, young Christian daters, I say, look, would you be able to break up with this person and still remain in the same church still remain in the same small group, because until that ring is on the finger, this person is a brother or a sister in Christ, nothing more. That is where the relationship is, and you have to keep it objective like that, because you don't know yet if it's going to work out. And so don't trade in, don't don't have capital with a person that you are spending that you will not be able to take back. And so that's a way to trust someone's heart and to entrust yourself to a person in a way that really is protective of them.
0: You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. Lisa Anderson is our guest, the director of Young Adults, and she also is the host of The Boundless Show at Focus on the Family. Uh, Lisa, talk to us about the Boundless show. It's for young adults. Who's that for? Who's young adult today?
3: (laughs) Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe some people self ideas. young adults who maybe shouldn't be, but our audience is primarily college through 30-something. So we're looking at that young professional who is growing up into maturity, navigating everything from life, including career, finances, um, really doing life, personal health, mental health all of that, as well as relationships, so dating, marriage prep, life with others, relating to their parents as an adult, all of that is so difficult as well. And then, of course, faith issues, including personal, spiritual growth, life in the church, what it means to serve and do ministry, and then, of course, evangelism. And so where our goal is to just mature a generation of young adults and then help, you know, we have a lot of parents to listen in, to, or influencers mm-hmm. as young adults. So folks listening, if you have a young adult child or grandchild and you want to understand them better, The Boundless Show may be for you as well, because we're really hitting all the issues of the day that young adults and others are grappling with. It could be something in the culture, the way that the cultural downturn is happening, uh, just navigating that space with a biblical worldview, um, as well as just relating to others and being willing to step into maturity in a way that many of their peers aren't.
0: And uh, how do I find the Boundless uh, ministry? Is, it, is boundless.org the best place to go?
3: Yep. If, we go, if you go to boundless.org, you're going to find articles. You're going to find a group blog. Our show is there, as well as on any place, any podcast uh, platform that you would use, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever. Um, but be part of the conversation, because that's what's fun about this for young adults, is we grapple with the issues on our social media. People actually shout out to us. They ask questions. We're having the conversation in real time, and hopefully we are, again, uh, allowing young adults to be part of this space and not be treated as kids at the kids' table. (laughs) We're trying to get them to own their generation, own
0: their faith and move forward with maturity. I looked at the website at boundless.org. It's great. And, uh, like I told you before, I've got a heart for the young adults and I love that ministry. Thank you for doing that, Lisa. Um, Lisa Anderson is with focus on the family and she is in charge of the young adults in the ministry. Boundless dot boundless.org is the website where you can find, uh, all of her information and her podcast and, uh, so many articles, send that to somebody, you know, who is a young adult, however you define that. And, um, Uh, For parents or grandparents, check it out, boundless.org. A lot of great resources there. Lisa, thanks for joining me on the Pastor Scott Show today. Hey, my privilege. All right. God bless you, and thanks for everything you do. All right. When we come back, I'll give you a couple of scriptures about dating that I like to teach on, and we'll let you know. uh, You you can tell me what you think. The number is 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, Tuesday edition, and we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. And uh, we had a great guest on, Lisa Anderson. You can get our podcast if you want to listen to that. She is with focus on the family and dealing with younger people and uh, young adults. Uh, However you define yourself as young adults talking about dating. So I got a question for you in our last segment here. What are some things in dating that was especially helpful for you? Like a principle, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Well, can you pass along that's healthy advice to young people? 888-528-2557. One of the things she said was, that you need to make sure that you have a level of connection that should never exceed the level of commitment. Now, that's gold right there. I wrote that down here in a little paper next to me. Level Your level of connection should never exceed the level of commitment. So she talked about that. Certainly, you know, as Christians, we believe that you wait um, until you're married for sexual intercourse. But, you know, there are lots of things that people do to, while they're dating, that communicate a level of commitment that is much more than where their heart really is and i think that's part of the 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 scary part for lots of people is it scary for you in uh in dating today if you if you're going out on dates uh i don't mean because of the the creepy guy that you found online but i mean just the the process of being honest in it it, it when you have the conversation with somebody the we used to call it the the dtr do you know what that is Uh, Wilbert, do you know what the DTR is in a dating context? Do you know what that is? No, I don't know. The DTR conversation? What's that? I don't think they use it anymore, but it's it's the define the relationship conversation, right? At some point, you've got to say, what is this? The DTR, define the relationship. And, you know, it's scary because if your heart's really into this other person – and you're going to have a conversation at some point that's going to tell you if they're on the same page or not. You don't have to be on exactly the same page, but you got to be on the same trajectory. Otherwise, you, you want to get out. Eventually, I learned in that process that it's better just to get out than to be in something that eventually isn't going to work, right? You, if you're trying too hard uh, with somebody, it just shouldn't be that difficult. There's, there's difficulties. You need to you know find something that you argue about. In fact, when I'm doing counseling with people – you know, I'll often say to a couple, you know, tell me what you like about the other person Ah, eh, they'll tell me what they like and this, that and the other. Then I'll say, tell me what you don't like. And sometimes they'll say, oh, we like everything about each other. Well, then you haven't dated long enough. There's you're either lying or you haven't dated long enough to figure out there's something he does that's annoying, right? There's something that she does that uh, you're looking the other way, but, you know, uh, and the best couples, though, they look at each other and just sort of let it fly and laugh at it, right? It can be pretty uh, entertaining, um, and things that you don't want it to turn into. I had one couple do that one time and they came with written down lists and it was, it was bad. It was like, I don't think you guys like each other. Like it's, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I wish that, uh, you know, this person would do this differently. You know, I wish that he had, you know, that he wouldn't wear, you know, plaid with stripes, you know, that can be resolved pretty simply, right? I wish that he would wear shoes sometimes and not flip-flops, you know, there's things that, that, uh. Are easily resolvable, but then there are some things that are like, well, you two don't really like each other very much, maybe. And it should be about, you know, there's love, but there's also like, there's an old Jimmy Stewart movie, and I'm blanking on on which one it is, but there's one where he's he's the father of uh, a daughter, and uh, this young man is asking him for, maybe some of you would remember the number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. The young man is asking for her hand in marriage. And Jimmy Stewart says a profound thing. He says, well, well do, you, do you like her? And he says, yes, I love your daughter very much. He says, well, I didn't ask you that. I, I asked you if you like her. See, that's a, it's a difference, right? And it, it matters greatly. So here's a Bible verse for you. If you're looking for a biblical reason why you, you date better, and in particular, you know, a place to find a good principle, in the book of Song of Solomon. You ever study that book? It's a it's poetry. It is, uh, you know, it takes some work to teach through. I personally believe that uh, there should be courses on this book for young people. I think that it was written probably primarily for young women, but it's definitely important for young men uh, in the same way that Proverbs was probably the school book for young men, but it's definitely important for young women. And you know, in this era of of convoluted relationships that we live in and so much dating pressure, even among Christian people, uh it would be odd if God did not give us some kind of instruction for relationships that is something that we can use, right It would be odd that in all the whole Bible that we don't really get. Uh, it would be very odd if there wasn't something in there that dealt with the the feelings of desire that people have, attraction that people have, the desire to get married, what a good marriage looks like. You know, people often say, you know, well, we want to have a biblical marriage. But when you look at actual married couples in the Bible, most of them are, are kind of bad, right? There's some good ones. There's a couple of really good e- examples, you know, but uh, mostly there's a lot of struggles and, and deceit and other things going on that uh that happens it's if you want to take a look at it song of solomon and you might say ah, solomon it's 700 wives well he did but he also learned his lesson right he, he he messed up his life in every way you possibly could and then he wrote the book of ecclesiastes to help you not do that to help you figure out what is actually meaningful in life and uh he put together the song of solomon to tell you hey this is what works and, you know, from the the dating standpoint, and I think this fits along, if you want a Bible verse to go along with Lisa Anderson's, um, from Focus on the Family, her advice, that the level of connection should never exceed the level of commitment. That Bible verse is in the Song of Solomon. You have a couple and you, you go through it. There's some different interpretations of who's saying what, right? But eventually there's this line that repeats a few times. And it says, uh, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field. We all talk that way, don't we? And then it says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And it says that in the context of a couple who is dating and a couple who is attracted to each other, a couple who in this book, you know, I think one of the reasons it's not taught is because for some reason in the church, we don't want to talk about this subject. And it's a tragedy because the whole culture talks about this subject. Movies, pop music, books, wherever, you know, this is the subject And it ought to be taught in church. You have a whole book about it. Um, Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. It says, hey, it's all right to have these desires. It's all right to want to have a physical relationship. It's okay to have desires about romance and desires about uh, being together with somebody and growing old together, whatever your romantic vision is. But you do things on a pace. You do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. You get to know that person. You find out who they really are, because one of the topics in this book is a person's name is what's important, meaning their reputation, who they really are, that when you're going to be attracted to somebody, it's not about how they look. It's not about how much money they have or what their title is. You know, it's about their character. It is about their name. And, you know, that's the advice to give to young people. Date somebody with character. Date somebody who does share your values, that has the right values. Make sure that your values are the right values first, and then date somebody who has those values. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to work out with that person, but eventually you'll find the right person and you'll be glad that you did. You date that person and you you hold off on things that make the relationship something more serious than it is. And that's certain physical things, obviously intercourse, um, but it it can be just simple things, hand-holding or thing. You're communicating something. So the define the relationship talk that Christy and I had was we were friends and we were hanging out a lot and going out. Our feelings changed. And I was holding her hand one day and I said, is this okay with you? And she said, uh-huh. And that was it. But that was all we needed. But it was super good news for me. And uh, she was glad and uh, that mattered. But if we had been holding hands and she wasn't on that page, or maybe she was on that page, but I really wasn't committed, then I'm communicating something that may not be on my heart. In that case, it worked out. This is something you can get right from the scripture. And by the way, in that book, I think the reason we don't read it is because in chapter four, uh, love so desires, and it's very graphic, and it means exactly what you think it means when you read it, um, and God blesses it after the wedding happens in chapter three. It's an amazing, amazing thing. All right, this is Pastor Scott Show. We're on every day from 3 to 5. By the way, on Friday, I'm going to be giving away a lot of books. That's my plan. So Friday for Open Line Friday, call up. We will give away some books to our callers and have some fun with that. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. We do that on Fridays, so we'll do that. I'll be back again tomorrow from 3 to 5. Looking forward to seeing you then. Get the podcast at Uh, kkla.com or Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow me at Pastor Scott Show on uh, X or Twitter, and uh, we can connect that way. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. Have a good night